Good morning or good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into Herf's Huddle, Chicago Bears podcast presented by Joseph Herf. For those of you who don't know me or my work, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL for all tweets, articles, and reactions surrounding the Bears. So today I am going to be discussing the Bears' loss to the 5-8 and eight Green Bay Packers at Soldier Field. Uh, I'll be grading the offense, defense, and special teams. Additionally, I will talk about the three winners and losers of this game for the Bears, and I will end the podcast with five moves I'd like the Bears to make in free agency for 2023. So as usual, we're going to start out with the offensive side of the ball, and we'll start with the quarterback position. Justin Fields, again, had a great game. It's not going to look like that when you look at his passer rating, but overall he completed 20 of 25 of his passes for 254 yards and had a rushing touchdown on the day on a long touchdown run. He did have two interceptions to end the day, but I will say one of them was not entirely his fault. I honestly probably put 90% of the blame on the wide receiver, and that was the one to Equinemius St. Brown. And, and that one, if you didn't see the play, St. Brown went in to run a, uh, a deeper curl route, and he ran probably the slowest, had the slowest like in and out of his break I've probably seen in a long time watching film, and the corner jumped it and. St. Brown didn't even come back to the ball. It looked just like a lazy route. I couldn't tell if he's just that bad of a route runner or if it was just lazy. Um, but Fields made the anticipatory throw that he needs. He needed to be making more of anyway, and it cost him, which that's not good for his confidence. But the second one was entirely his fault, but the game was already sealed by then. I, I think he also was trying to make something happen. Moving over to the running backs, uh, Montgomery was his just solid, usual self. Nobody really flashed on the running back room, but Monty did break off some nice runs. Um, his usual angry runs that he somehow gets positive yardage out of. And uh, Evans had one nice long run as well. Still no trust in Ebner. He did have one kick return, though. Moving over to the wide receivers, outside of that really ugly route from Equinemius St. Brown, he did have a very good day. He led the team in receiving yards with 85 yards, including the deep ball where he absolutely smoked Jair Alexander, who ended up talking smack after the game for some odd reason after he got smoked by um, Equinemia St. Brown and Nikhil Harry, which is insane to think you're going to talk smack after getting smoked by those two. Um, Chase Claypool started getting involved. He made a pair of nice catches. He did fumble. Again, I will not I will not say that was a fumble. I won't. He was already down, but since the play was ruled a fumble on the field, not enough to turn it over, I think if it was the other way around, that it was called uh, down on contact, they wouldn't have overturned it either. Um, there just wasn't enough evidence there, and it looks like he twisted up his knee. So overall, I, I'd say he'd have a nice day too. Moving over to tight end, Goldkamite is still a stud. He's a consistent baller and a reliable player for this offense. So he had a nice day, six catches for 72 yards. And on the offensive line, um, they actually did a good job. They did not give up a single sack to the Green Bay Packers that um, is led by Kenny Clark and uh, Preston Smith. So the fact that they didn't give up a sack at all, it's crazy. They gave Fields a ton of time on two deep balls, and it paid off. And even on the plays that they didn't give Fields a ton of time, they established a nice enough pocket that a lot of Fields step up into to uh, deliver some nice balls. Fields was cooking because they had a nice day. Uh, nobody played better at all, and I'll give a nice shout-out to Alex Leatherwood, who actually saw his first real bit of action, and he looked really good in his limited action. I guarantee a lot of people didn't even notice he was playing because he did not do anything wrong. Uh, overall, I will grade the offensive group a C. Again, they, they played really solid, and there's a lot of good things that we saw. But at the end of the day, they didn't put points on the board, whether that's blaming Getsy or not. But they left points out on the field as well. Uh, with Again, that's part of the fall of special teams, but they 
had a lot of opportunities that they didn't convert that third and five that was on like the 20 yard line and they didn't convert and then the field goal got blocked. Um, overall, what Getsky did in the second half was very strange. So honestly, I'll just give it a seat. Now moving over to the defense, um, another week, another zero sack game for the defensive line. Just had to, of course, highlight that. Um, that's the classic. Armand Watts had a nice play. Otherwise, that nothing crazy. I mean, running backs are going to the next level every single time. Um, moving over to the linebacker, another surprise. Jack Sanborn is still a stud. He actually had a good day in pass coverage, too. Uh, there was one play where he was one on with Robert Tunyon, and he locked him up and was all over him in a clean way and made a nice play to not let Tunyon come down with the ball in the end zone, which was Tunyon's specialty not, um, only two, maybe three years ago. I can't remember. But he had a great day. Matt Adams had a few nice plays. Uh, Nick Morrow looked like his normal average self. Um, not a ton to complain from here from the linebacker. They honestly looked pretty good. Uh, not a lot of stuff was going through the middle of the field. Moving over to the DBs, just to preface again, no Jaquan Brisker, no Eddie Jackson, no Kyler Gordon. Not a lot to expect from here. But they honestly did not look horrible. Josh Blackwell had a really good game playing from the slot and locking down multiple people. There was a few plays in a row where they did target him, and he was stride for stride with a bunch of receivers, like guys that are normal NFL players, like Randall Cobb is a savvy veteran. Um, DeAndre Houston Carson gives another shout-out, too. He's a monster, and I want him to be a bear for life. I don't care like if he's a backup or not. He's a dude that comes in and he delivers every time. He uh, He's just a good dude overall, too, which is honestly a great guy to have on the team. But the grade on the defensive side of the ball is a D plus. Um, like I said, it's really hard to give them a low grade. They're, they they had a bunch of backups in there in the secondary, especially uh, the no pass rush. Of course, as usual, hurts them a ton. They had a really really good first half, and they were giving Aaron Rodgers a lot of trouble. But they imploded in the second as usual, and uh, AJ Dillon gashed us too on the ground. Moving over to closest out with the special teams, Carlos Santos looked horrible. He Mr. PAT has a really low kick blocked. Um, Bayless Jones had two nice kickoff returns, and uh, Pettis had a nice pop return. And he drew a flag on another pop return, too. Honestly, he's probably a guy worth keeping around as your pop returner. Why does he have five slash six? He does all the dirty work, and he's honestly just a good dude to have there. So, overall, again, the offense gets a C, defense gets a D, plus, and the special teams gets a D. Now we move over to the three winners and the three losers from this game. To start this off, the first winner is Cole Komet. Again, great game, and he's a reliable target for Fields. He's really showing why he should be here in Chicago long-term. We need to be starting to get an extension together for him so he does not hit free agency. He's uh, just a great dude, and he honestly just – you can tell he just loves to be here. The second one is Josh Blackwell. Again, he is a guy that had to step in due to all the injuries, all the all the turnover, and the, and the defensive backs group, and he had a really good day. He – looks very solid and covered and there's really like yeah there's no complaints there and he made a bunch of tackles he had four or five on the day um the third winner is the bears offensive line as a whole um they deserve some love i've been pretty harsh on them throughout most of uh most of the season and deservedly so but they had a really good day they kept justin fields clean for the most part outside of a few late hits on him um and they allowed fields to deliver some deep balls and he that's why he had 254 yards on only 20 completions Honorable mention, uh, Justin Fields. He had one bad throw to end the game, and that shouldn't dictate his outing. So, overall, he played an awesome game and had over 300 yards of offense. You really cannot say that's a bad game for him against a rival in the Green Bay Packers. And he outplayed Aaron Rodgers, plain and simple. Not his fault they lost. 
the three losers from the day, uh, we'll start with Jalen Jones. Um, not Jalen Johnson, Jalen Jones. He was the one who was mainly getting picked on in coverage. He gave up a really bad defensive pass interference. Not entirely his fault. The ball was underthrown, and it forced him to basically create pass interference. But he got picked on a lot, and he didn't have a great day. He honestly looked like the major weak point in the secondary outside of Elijah Hicks, who, again, he's younger, so that's fine. The second one is Luke Geske. Honestly, it felt like he was trying to tank. I don't know what he was doing in the second half. I, I'm really curious if he is trying to tank because there was there was I think it was the drive that they you know, it was the drive to get the field goal blocked. We started the drive with a deep shot to Nikhil Harry. Then we ran the ball three times and got to fourth down. Like you just saw Fields cook a deep ball and you're gonna run the ball three times up the middle. And it's not like it got to a third and one where they ran it. It was third and five. And hit off up the middle to David Montgomery like what? And then the field got blocked. We turned that we turned that beautiful throw that Fields had to Harry over Jair Alexander. Turned that into zero points. That's just horrible. Horrible. Third loser, uh, Carlos Santos. Again, like I said, he had a line drive field goal attempt that got blocked because it was so low. Um, he had a missed PAT. He just had a really bad day. I, I will give it to him. The wind was horrible, but, yeah, he had a rough one out there today. And, like I said, the honorary honorable mention goes to the defensive line. Another zero sack day for them. They're absolutely horrible. And so, yeah, I mean, that need, that entire group just needs to be turned over. I'm, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's very frustrating that the rest of the team suffers because of how horrendous they all are. Finally, we're going to close the thing out with uh, with the five free agent signings I think the Bears should make. Again, these are these would be great if all five of these things happen. These are just five players I think they could and should target and kind of reasonable contracts I think they should give those players. So to start, obvious big one for me, I think he should be the priority Thankfully, there's a backup options if you don't land them, but left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. of the Kansas City Chiefs. Hand him a five-year, $100 million-plus contract. He deserves to probably make 20 to $20 million a year after uh, Trent Williams got 23 I want to say, per year. Um, make him your franchise left tackle. The Chiefs can't afford to bring him back. Um, bring him in to be your left tackle, and he wants to be a franchise left tackle for a team that can compete. Hopefully... He doesn't take the Bears' record into consideration when he sees what the Bears are building here with Justin Fields. Um, get him to protect your guy and make him your franchise guy and tie him with, like, this team. It's, it's just it make the offensive line improve greatly. Love Braxton Jones, but let him and Leatherwood compete for right tackle next year and let Orlando Brown Jr. man that left side. The second free agent is uh, interior defensive lineman Deron Payne. Um a lot of people seem to think Payne is going back to the Commanders. I don't know why people would think that. The Commanders were trying to trade him, and he – I don't remember if it was him that said he didn't want to be there anymore or what it was, but they already paid Jonathan Allen a bag. I think he's the highest-paid defensive lineman in the NFL, outside of Aaron Donald, of course. But they, they paid him a lot, a lot of money. And you should probably pay Payne a, a good contract as well. I'd see a four-year, $52 million contract for him. He is younger. He's got a lot of years left in him. Um, I compared his contract basically to DJ Reader. He signed a uh, he signed a 13.25 million per year. So four year, 52 million is a uh, 13 million per year. Basically the same thing, a little less money to make it even. But um, I can see him getting a, a similar deal. We just need a forceful three technique defensive lineman. I think Payne is that. Pair him with Justin Jones, and you're golden on the interior defensive line. Um, at least to draft somebody to rotate in. But those two are very solid crew right there. Third option would be uh, inside linebacker Tremaine Edmonds. I've talked about him a million times on the podcast already. 
Um, give him four years, 56 million. Again, that's not the five year, 100 million that Roquan Smith wanted. It's not even close, thankfully. But Edmonds, thankfully, wasn't amazing to start his career because he obviously was so young. But he is a sideline to sideline guy, and he always has been that. But he has improved drastically in his pass coverage ability. Get him into his linebacker room with an already established Jack Sanborn, who's going to be your Mike linebacker. Let Edmonds be your will. And honestly, he's the he's the cheap replacement for Roquan Smith that will be light years cheaper. So he's a great option to have to be your will. Fourth guy, um, this is the only one that's not a long-term option. I think this is more of a plug-and-play guy if you don't get somebody in the draft. So I think they need to get a center. You can't run with Sam Austin for next year. You can't convince me that's the guy you want to run with next year. So get just sign Bradley Bozeman to a two-year, $10 million contract, two-year, $12 million, whatever it is. We cannot rely on Lucas Patrick to be healthy after multiple injuries this year to didn't let him play. And you can't rely on the fact that we want to get a center in the draft to start right away. As much as I would love John Michael Smith to be our starting center, we need to get someone not named Sam Mustafer here in Chicago. Now, if you're trusting Lucas Patrick is your center and he's going to be healthy this year and you're going to draft somebody to be your future, then don't sign Bozeman. That's fine. But you need to just guarantee that you have somebody that's not Mustafer playing center. You, that needs to be confirmed. Like, just get them out. Even if it's signing someone even cheaper, like a someone on a one-year deal, like um, like a Pochich from the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns, or uh, there's multiple other dudes that aren't. There's nobody. You can't convince me that somebody's worse than Sam Mustafer available right now. So just get him out of, the, out, of, uh, out of Chicago. Lastly, number five, need to get an edge rusher. Yannick Ngagwe, he is the most underrated edge rusher in the NFL. He has eight or more sacks every single season since he entered the NFL in 2016, and he's on pace for a double-digit sack season for back-to-back years. He had 11 and a half last year in Vegas, and he has eight already this year in Indianapolis. Give him a four-year, $60 million contract and let him be your star edge rusher. Now, how amazing would it be if you have a defensive line that's Yannick Ngagwe, Deron Payne, Justin Jones, and Will Anderson to be your four down linemen in a four-three defense? That is a that is a a like complete one hundred and eighty from this year. That gives you one of the most forceful defensive lines in the NFL. With behind that, Dominique Robinson developing, possibly Travis Gibson developing. Multiple dudes that you have behind him that'd be good. Armin Watts will be a great rotational defensive lineman. He is not a starter. He should not be starting now. He'll be a great rotational defensive lineman next year. That instantly just increases your defensive line group, which will help the rest of your team look better. So overall, again, the Bears have all this money to work with. They need to be spending it on long-term deals for guys to be here for the long-term. That can be your pieces. You don't want them going and spending too much money on a guy like Christian Kirk, who's going to be who, – he's a great he's a great wide receiver. He does not deserve the money he got. That would be like paying Jacoby Myers right now. Don't be wasting that kind of money on players like that. That would be like – I can't remember the name of the left tackle from uh, from the 49ers – or not left tackle, sorry. Right tackle from the 49ers. I'm drawing a blank. But that would be like handing him a bag this year because you just need to overpay. Don't overpay because you need to get guys in the room pay the guys that deserve to be paid and pay those guys just a little extra. So don't overpay average players, overpay the great players and make them the highest paid players in the NFL because you know what they can do. You 
know they are elite assets already. And if you're paying an extra two to three million a year, that's fine. They're worth it. That's what good teams need to do. Don't do what the Jacksonville Jaguars did this offseason where they spent all that money just to be bad this year, just to be horrible this year. So overall, that's just five guys I think the Bears should sign. Um, that's not, again, there's a lot of people you can put behind that. I would love to see Jack Conklin if he can't get Orlando Brown Jr. Elton Jenkins is a great offensive lineman you can get in-house too instead of Bradley Bozeman, or you can put him at left tackle too. A lot of good guys. Defensive line and edge aren't really deep class. You need to kind of prioritize those. But inside linebacker is a deep class too. So lots of things they can do. These are just some guys that I like. But, again, thank you all for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate your support. Um, I appreciate the shout-outs I give to my friends that uh, remind me that they listen to it and give me feedback. So, again, I appreciate you all who do listen in. Um, if you do have anything of advice or help, feel free to reach out to me. But I appreciate you all tuning in. I will see you all Friday with the preview. All It is the bye week, so no preview. But – Um, I have to come up with some topic for Friday. So see you guys Friday.